You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. This is a reading of a cycle of lectures by Rudolf Steiner entitled The Four Seasons and the Archangels. This is the Lecture 5, which is the last lecture, entitled The Working Together of the Four Archangels. During the last few days, I have brought before you the four cosmic imaginations that can be invoked through an intimate human experience of the seasons of the year. If we want to arrive at an understanding of mankind's circumstances and situation in the world, we must seek it in the interworking of those beings who appear in conjunction with these imaginative pictures. And here I would like first to say something by way of introduction. If we open our souls to the impressions that may come to us from the content of these pictures, then at the same time, there will come to us much that has been experienced in the course of human evolution as an echo of old instinctive clairvoyance. Today this is sometimes merely quoted as history, but fundamentally it is not understood. True poets and spiritually inspired people give ear to these often wonderful voices resounding from the traditions of the past, and use them just when they wish to express their highest and greatest conceptions. But even then they are very little understood. Thus in the first part of Faust a wonderful utterance rings out which is hardly at all understood, though it is quoted often enough. It occurs when Faust, having opened the book of Nostradamus, comes upon the sign of the macrocosm. Quote, Wie alles sich zum Ganzen bebt, Eins, in dem andern wirkt und lebt, wie Himmelskräfte auf- und niedersteigen und sich die goldenen Eimer reichen, mit Segenduftenden schwingen, von Himmel durch die Erde dringen, harmonisch all das All durchklingen. Translation How each the world its substance gives, each in the other works and lives. See heavenly forces rising and descending, their golden urns reciprocally lending, on wings that winnow sweet blessing, from heaven through the earth they're pressing, to fill the all with harmonies caressing. Close quote. Footnote from the translation of Faust, Part 1, by Bayard Taylor, revised and edited by Stuart Atkins, published by Collier Books, New York, 1962, end of footnote. A magnificent picture, but if one knows Goethe, one must say that it is real to him only through his feelings. For what Goethe has evidently drawn from his reading of old traditions and his feeling for them All this stands in its full significance before our souls, only if we have in mind the four great cosmic imaginations, as I describe them to you, the autumn imagination of Michael, the Christmas imagination of Gabriel, 
the Easter imagination of Raphael, and the Midsummer, St. John's Tide, imagination of Uriel. You must really picture to yourselves how from all these beings, Gabriel, Raphael, Uriel, Michael, forces stream out through the cosmos, and as formative forces stream again into mankind. In order to understand this, we must see how a human being stands within the cosmos in, I might almost call it, a purely material way. In this connection, there is very little understanding, unfortunately, for how things really are. For example, medical textbooks always describe how human beings breathe in oxygen from the air and how the carbon within them takes up the oxygen. This process is then compared with external combustion, in which all sorts of external substances combine with oxygen. The whole process in the human organism, whereby oxygen is taken up by carbon, is then called combustion. All this is said because one essential fact is not known, the fact that all external substances and processes become differently directed excuse me, become different directly, they enter into the human organism. Anyone who speaks of this peculiar combination of oxygen and carbon in human beings and thinks of it as combustion is talking in just the same way as if someone said, quote, there is no need for a person to have two living lungs. He could equally well have a pair of stones suspended inside him, close quote. That is more or less how people talk in speaking of the combustion of oxygen and carbon within the human organism. Everything that takes place externally in nature becomes different as soon as it enters human beings. No process within the human organism takes place in the same way as in outer nature. A flame that burns externally is dead fire. What corresponds within the human being is living and ensouled flame. You might as well compare a stone with a lung as an external flame with the living activity in the human organism when carbon unites with oxygen there, a process which, viewed externally, is indeed combustion in chemical terms. Today all spiritual progress depends on our being able to grasp these things in the right way. Suppose you take salt with your food or eat some protein or whatever. People assume that it remains just the same substance within you as it was outside. That is not true. Whatever enters the human being changes immediately. And the forces which make it different proceed in a quite definite way from those beings whom I have pictured in the four imaginations. Let us now recall the last picture, how at St. John's tide Uriel hovers in the heights, weaving his body out of golden light in the golden radiance of the sun. Plate 5, red. As I told you, we must picture him with grave, discriminating eyes, for his gaze is directed down toward the crystal realm of the earth, and he sees how little compatible human errors are with the abstract but nonetheless shining beauty of the crystallization process that goes on below the surface of the earth. That is the reason for his gravely judging gaze as he looks down and compares human errors with the living activity in the crystals of the earth. 
I spoke also of Uriel's gesture as a warning gesture, indicating to human beings what they ought to do. It calls upon them, if they understand it aright, to transform their faults into virtues. For up above in the clouds there appear the shining pictures of beauty woven out of the sun gold, and they are pictures of all that humanity has achieved by way of virtue. Now from the being who has to be described in this way, and can be described in no other way, proceed forces that work directly in mankind and continue to work further in a characteristic way. All that I am depicting takes place at midsummer. The Uriel being is not at rest but in majestic movement. This must be so, for when it is summer with us it is winter in the opposite hemisphere and Uriel is there in the heights. We must picture this clearly so that if we have the earth here, there's a sketch, Uriel appears to us in summer and then in the course of six months he has reached the other side. Then it is winter with us. While Uriel descends, yellow arrow, and while his forces are thus coming to us from a descending line, summer with us passes over into winter, and then Uriel is over the other hemisphere. But the earth does not hinder his forces from coming to us. They penetrate through the earth. Hence we can say that the forces which come to us directly from above, red arrows, seeking to permeate us with the sun-gold of summer, penetrate right through the earth in winter and permeate us in an ascending stream, red, from the other side. If we bring before our souls how at midsummer Uriel works through nature into humanity, for his activity streams into the forces of nature, we must picture the forces of Uriel streaming out into the cosmos, raying into the clouds, the rain, the thunder and lightning, and raying also into the growth of plants. In winter, after Uriel has made his way round the earth, his forces stream up through the earth and come to rest in our heads. And then these forces, which at other times are outside in nature, work through us to make us citizens of the cosmos for they actually cause an image of the cosmos to arise in our heads, illuminating us so that we acquire human wisdom. We speak correctly if we say, Uriel makes his descent as summer passes through autumn into winter. Then, in winter, he begins to reascend. And from this descending and ascending power of Uriel, we get the inner forces of our heads. Thus Uriel works in nature at midsummer, and during the winter season he works in the human head, so that in this connection human beings are truly a microcosm in relation to the macrocosm. We understand the human being only if we picture him not merely as a being of nature, but as a spiritual being. And just as we can follow the forces of Uriel, and see how they stream into mankind through the course of the year, we must also do this with Raphael, who pours his forces into the forces of nature in spring, as I have described. I had to show you how the Easter imagination is supplemented by the teaching 
that Raphael, the great cosmic physician, can give to mankind. For precisely when we allow all that Raphael brings about, working in the springtime forces of nature, as Uriel does in summer, when we allow all this to work on us at Easter through the spiritual healing of inspiration, then we come to the crowning of all the truths of healing for mankind. But the springtime activity of Raphael travels round the earth in a similar way to Uriel's. In terms of the cosmos, Uriel is the spirit of summer. He moves round the earth and in winter creates the inner forces of the human head. Raphael is the spirit of spring, and in autumn as he travels round the earth, he engenders the forces of human breathing. Hence we can say, while during autumn Michael is the cosmic spirit up above, the cosmic archangel, at Michaelmas Raphael works in human beings. Raphael, who is active in the whole human breathing system, regulating it and giving it his blessing. And we shall form a true picture of autumn only if, on the one hand, we have up above the powerful Michael imagination, with the sword forged from meteoric iron, the garment woven out of sun gold and shot through with the earth's silver sparkling radiance, while down below Raphael is working in mankind, aware of every breath that is drawn, of everything that flows from the lungs into the heart and from the heart through the whole circulation of the blood. Thus human beings learn to recognize in themselves the healing forces that play through the cosmos in the Raphael time of spring. If in autumn, when the rays of Raphael pass through the earth, they come to know how Raphael is active in human breathing. For this is a great secret. All the healing forces reside originally in the human breathing system, and anyone who truly understands the whole dimension of the breath knows the healing forces from the human side. They do not reside in the other systems of the human organism. These other systems have themselves to be healed. Look up what I have said about it with regard to education. The breathing system is especially active between the ages of 7 and 14. There are great possibilities of illness during the first seven years of life, and again after 14. They are relatively least during the period when the breath pulses through the body with the help of the etheric body. A secret activity of healing resides in the breathing system, and all the secrets of healing are at the same time secrets of breathing. And this is connected with the fact that the workings of Raphael, which are cosmic in spring, permeate in autumn the whole mystery of human breathing. We have learned to know Gabriel as the Christmas archangel. He is then the cosmic spirit. We have to look up above to find him. During the summer, Gabriel carries into mankind all that is brought about by the formative forces of nourishment. And midsummer they are brought into mankind by the Gabriel forces, after Gabriel has descended from his cosmic activity during the winter to his human activity in the summer. When his forces stream through the earth and it is winter on the other side, 
and when at last we come to Michael, he is our cosmic spirit in autumn. He is then at his highest. He has reached his cosmic culmination. Then he begins his descent. In spring his forces penetrate up through the earth and live in all that comes to expression in human beings as movement and the power of will, enabling them to walk and work and take hold of things. Now, place the full pictures before you. First, the summer picture at the time of St. John, up above the grave countenance of Uriel, with his judgmental look, his warning mane and gesture, and, drawing near to human beings and permeating them, the mild and loving gaze of Gabriel, Gabriel with his gesture of blessing. So during summer we have the working together of Uriel in the cosmos, Gabriel on the human side. If we pass on to autumn, we have not the commanding, but rather the guiding look of Michael. For, seen in the right light, Michael's gaze is like a pointer, as though wishing not to look inward, but outward into the world. His gaze is positive, active, and his sword forged out of cosmic iron is held so that at the same time he indicates to human beings their way. That is the picture up above. Below in autumn is Raphael, with deeply thoughtful gaze, bringing to mankind the healing forces that he has first, one might say, kindled in the cosmos. Raphael, with deep wisdom in his gaze, leaning on the staff of Mercury, supported by the inner forces of the earth. Thus we have the working together of Michael in the cosmos, Raphael on earth. Now we go on to winter. Gabriel is then the cosmic angel. Gabriel is up above with his mild and loving look and his gesture of benediction, weaving his garment of snow in the clouds of winter. And below is Uriel, with his grave judgment and warning, at the side of humanity. The positions are reversed. And as we come round again to spring, up above we find Raphael with his deeply thoughtful gaze, with his staff of mercury, parenthesis, which now in the airy heights has become something like a fiery serpent, a serpent of shining fire, close parenthesis, no longer leaning it on the earth, but as though holding it in front of him, using the forces of the air, mingling and combining fire, water, and earth, so as to transmute them into healing forces, working and weaving in the cosmos. And below, becoming especially visible, is Michael, coming to meet mankind with his positive gaze, showing the way into the world and glad to draw our eyes in the same direction as he stands close to mankind, the complement of Raphael in spring. So now we have the pictures. Winter, Gabriel above, Uriel below. Spring, Raphael above, Michael below. Summer, Uriel above, Gabriel below with mankind. Autumn, Michael above, Raphael below with mankind. Now let us take the words which have come down through the ages like an old magical utterance and were used again by Goethe. Quote, How each the whole its substance gives, each in the other works and lives. Close quote. 
Yes, indeed, Uriel, Gabriel, Raphael, and Michael work together, one working in the other, living in the other. And when the human being is placed in the universe as a being of spirit, soul, and body, these forces work magically in him. And how far-reaching is the truth in these words, how far they go. Think what they mean, quote, how each the whole its substance gives, each in the other works and lives. See heavenly forces rising and descending, close quote. Rising and descending. And then the lines that follow, quote, their golden urns reciprocally lending on wings that winnow sweet blessing from heaven to the earth they're pressing to fill the all with harmonies caressing, close quote. Remember how in yesterday's lecture I spoke of it all passing over from sculptural form into musical sound, universally resounding harmony. I cannot tell you what I felt when this came before my soul, and I read again these lines by Goethe, quote, from heaven through the earth they're pressing, close quote. This through, it can shake one profoundly, for that is just how it is. It is true. It is staggering to realize that these words ring through the world like a peal of bells and are regarded as poetic license or something of the sort, or as words that anyone might write in letters or articles. It is not so. These are words which correspond to a cosmic fact. It is really shattering to read these words in the context of Goethe's Faust and to know how true they are. Now we will go further. We have seen how the heavenly powers with golden pinions, the archangels, permeate the universe in harmony, working and living in one another. But that is not all. Let us look at Gabriel, who draws nutritive forces out of the cosmos and brings them into humanity at midsummer. These forces are active in the human metabolic system. Raphael controls the breathing system. And now Gabriel and Raphael, as they ascend and descend, work together in such a way that Gabriel passes up into the breathing system those forces of his which are otherwise active in human nutrition. And there they become healing forces. Gabriel hands on the nourishment to Raphael and it then becomes a means of healing. When what is otherwise only a nutritive process in the human organism is interwoven with the secret of breathing, it becomes a healing force. We must indeed observe carefully the transformation that external substances undergo in the nutritive system itself. Then we come to recognize the significance of the Gabriel forces, the nutritive forces in mankind. But these forces are led over into the breathing system, and in working on further there, they become not only a means of quenching hunger and thirst, not only restorative forces, they turn into forces for the inner correction of illness. The transmuted nutritive forces become healing forces. Anyone who understands nutrition correctly understands the first stage of healing. If he knows what salt should do in a healthy person, then if he allows the metamorphosis from the Gabriel way of working to the Raphael way of working on him, he will know how salt can act as a means of healing in one or another case. 
The healing forces within us are metamorphoses of the nutritive forces. Raphael receives the golden vessel of nutrition from Gabriel. It is passed on to him. And now we come to a secret familiar in ancient times, but entirely lost today. Anyone who can read Hippocrates, or even if he cannot read Galen, can still gather something from him, will notice that in Hippocrates and even in Galen, those old physicians, something still survived, which is really a great human secret. The forces that prevail in our breathing system are healing forces. They are healing us continually. But when these breathing forces rise into our heads, the healing forces become spiritual forces, active in sense perception and in thinking. Here is the secret that was known at one time, the secret that is most explicit in Hippocrates and can at least be deduced from Galen. Thought Perception, the inner spiritual life of humanity, are a higher metamorphosis of therapy, of the healing process. And when the healing element in the breathing system, which lies between the head and the digestive system, is driven further up, as it were, it becomes the material foundation for the spiritual life of humanity. So we can say, the thoughts which flash through the human head are really a transmutation of the healing impulses that reside in the various substances. Hence, if a person really understands this, then he can look at a healing salt substance or some remedial plant substance and say, in this context you are a beneficial healing force, which I can give to someone if he needs it. But if this substance enters a person and passes beyond the realm of breathing so that it works in his head, It becomes the material bearer of the power of thought. For Raphael then hands on his vessel to Uriel. What Raphael has received from the realm of nourishment and transmuted into healing forces, he hands over to Uriel and it then becomes the power of thinking. Why does a remedy heal? Because it is on the way to the spirit. And if one knows how far on the way to the spirit a remedy is, one knows its healing power. The spirit cannot of itself lay hold directly on the earthly element in mankind. But the lower stage of the spirit is a therapeutic force. And just as Gabriel passes on to Raphael the nutritive forces to be transmuted into forces of healing, in other words, passes on his golden vessel, And just as Raphael passes on his golden vessel to Uriel, whereby the healing forces are made into the forces of thought, so it is Michael who receives from Uriel the thought forces, and through the power of cosmic iron, out of which his sword is forged, transforms these thought forces into forces of will, so that in mankind they become the forces of movement. Hence we have this second picture, Uriel, Raphael, Gabriel, and Michael, ascending and descending, Uriel and Gabriel, let us say, working in one another, but also working with one another, one giving what he possesses to the other, so that it can work on further in him. We see how the heavenly powers, 
rise and descend, passing to one another golden vessels, the golden vessels of nourishment, of healing, of the forces of thinking and of movement. Thus these golden vessels move on from one archangel to another, while at the same time each archangel works with the other in cosmic harmony. And again in Faust we find, See heavenly forces rising and descending, their golden urns reciprocally lending. True indeed, down to the very word golden, for these things are woven out of the sun gold radiating from Uriel, as I described yesterday. Goethe had, of course, read the words to which he then gave poetic expression, and it made a tremendous impression on him. But the interpretation I have been able to picture for you here, that he did not know. It is just this which staggers one, to find that when, out of a certain poetic feeling, a spirit such as Goethe's takes hold of something handed down from old traditions, it so incredibly reflects the truth. This is the splendid thing that unites us, that in cultivating spiritual science today, these things are revealed to us. When we see for ourselves how Uriel and Raphael and Michael and Gabriel are working together, and how they really do pass on to one another their own particular forces. If we first see this for ourselves, and then, having perhaps indirectly come across an ancient picture, in this case through Goethe, we let it work upon us. We see how an old instinctive truth, no matter whether mythical or legendary, was at one time widely current in the world, and then times change. And in our own time we see how the ancient truth has to be raised to a higher level. O Hippocrates, it is all the same whether we now give the name of Raphael, Mercury or Hermes to the one who stood at his side. This Hippocrates lived at a time when twilight was falling over the knowledge of this joint working of Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel, and of the way the healing forces in the human organism lie between the thoughts and the nutritive forces. This was the source from which an ancient instinctive wisdom drew those wonderful old remedies, which in fact have again and again been renewed. Today they are found among so-called primitive peoples, and nobody can imagine how they have been how they have been come by. All this is connected with the fact that mankind once possessed a primeval wisdom. But now there must really be a problem left in your minds. It is this: if you take everything I have put before you, how, for example, the Raphael forces are active in spring and in autumn they are carried over by Raphael into the inwardness of the breathing system, you must have been led to suppose that humanity is entirely caught up in the working of the forces of the cosmos throughout the course of the year. Originally, indeed, that is how it was. But because a human being is the kind of being who remembers what happens to him, so that an outer experience is preserved in memory, and after days or years can be relived as an inner experience, so these truths, which are entirely valid for the cosmos, continue to run their course. However, a human being does not experience the Raphael force inwardly in his breathing system, only in the autumn, but on through the winter, summer, and spring, a kind of memory of it, 
more substantial than ordinary memory remains. So, while things are arranged in the way I have described, their effects work on in human beings throughout the year. As an experience remains fixed in the memory, so these effects continue all through the year. Otherwise, human beings could not be uniformly developing beings all the year round. In physical life, one person forgets more readily or less readily than another. But the influence Raphael has planted in our breathing system during the autumn would disappear by the following autumn if Raphael did not come again. Until then, this nature memory in the breathing organ remains active, but then it has to be renewed. So human beings are nevertheless placed into the cycle of the year. They are not excluded from the world's course, but planted in the midst of it. But they are placed there in yet another way. It is true that a human being, standing here on earth, enclosed within his skin, with his organs embedded in his body, feels himself somewhat isolated in the cosmos, for the connections I have described are indeed full of mystery. But this is not the case when a human being is in a soul-spiritual form, for example, during his pre-earthly existence. Between death and a new birth, he lives in a realm of spirit. His soul gazes down not on an individual human body, it chooses this in the course of time, but at the whole earth, and indeed at the earth in connection with the whole planetary system and with all the interwoven activities of Raphael, Uriel, Gabriel, and Michael. In that realm one is looking at oneself from outside. It is there that the door opens for the entry of souls who are returning from pre-earthly life. It opens only during the period from the end of December to the beginning of spring, when Gabriel hovers above as cosmic archangel, while below at mankind's side is Uriel, carrying cosmic forces into the human head. In the course of these three months, the souls who are to be embodied during the whole of the coming year come down from the cosmos toward the earth. They remain waiting there until an opportunity occurs in the earth's planetary sphere. Even the souls who will be born in October, let us say, are already within the earth's sphere, awaiting their birth. Basically, a great deal depends on whether a soul, after it has entered the earth's sphere and is already in touch with it, still has to wait for its earthly embodiment. One soul has a longer wait, another a shorter one. The particular secret here is that just as, for example, the fructifying seed enters the ovum at only one spot, the heavenly seeds enter into the whole yearly being of the earth only when Gabriel rules above as the cosmic angel with his mild, loving look and gesture of benediction, while below there is Uriel with his judgmental gaze and warning gesture. That is the time when the earth is impregnated with souls, it is the time when the earth has its mantle of snow and surrenders to its crystallizing forces, when mankind can be united with the earth as the thinking earth body in the cosmos. Then the souls pass out of the cosmos and assemble, as it were, in the earth's sphere, 
This is the annual impregnation of the earth's seasonal being. If we have insight, not only into the physical aspect of the cosmos, but also the activities of those cosmic beings I have described for you in the four pictures, then we arrive at all these things, and with this insight we can find some indications of cosmic creativity in many a poem, for it is there in the world. Quote, How each the whole its substance gives, each and the other works and lives. See heavenly forces rising and descending, their golden urns reciprocally lending, on wings that winnow sweet blessing, from heaven through the earth their pressing, to fill the all with harmonies caressing. In these very words we can feel something of that wonderful working in one another and with one another of the four archangel beings who, in conjunction with the forces of nature, also live and weave in the body, soul, and spirit of mankind. The end of Lecture 5 and the end of this small cycle, The Four Seasons in the Archangels by Rudolf Steiner.